Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. We aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are watching or listening, this is going to be a really interesting episode. Um, my guest today is Holly Bakovich. I hope I said that correctly, otherwise known as Holly B. <laughs> She's a therapist, coach, and educator with a background in natural and ancestral health wellness, sacred space, martial arts, and functional movement, conscious living, and women's mysteries. I can't wait to find out about that. Her mission is to support people who know there's more to life to craft the best self-version so far. She is passionate about empowering people to live well, unlimited, and unbound. Holly has a respectful disregard for the status quo and mainstream culture. She promotes choice and believes in the capacity of human beings to do extraordinary things when they live authentically. I love this. It's going to be so exciting and juicy. I can feel it already. Holly B, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thanks, Louisa. Wow. I can't wait to delve in more of what you do. It sounds so absolutely exciting. I guess... You know, what stood out for me just in that introduction is women's mysteries. What, and I guess the, the embodiment of the feminine, some people don't know what that means. Maybe I don't even know what it means. How would you describe and define that? Yeah, well, I'm sure lots of people probably define it differently. Okay. Um, where, by the mysteries, I'm talking about like all of the phases of life and the sacredness that's within each of those and also in the spaces between the phases. So, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, the phase where we're a child and then there's a phase that we're a woman, but what's the space in between that? And then how do we, how do we acknowledge it, honor it, work with it? And then again, like, you know, if it's a, a phase of going through birth passage, is it a phase of getting ready for the end of life? Like all of those are part of the mystery. Uh, and we could be teaching about just one. We could be looking at all of it. It's, it's pretty huge work really. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I did, and I'm looking at the um, unlimited and unbound. I love those words, but you know, it's, it's such an incredible space that you're working from. How did you get involved in this and how do you know, like, how did you know what to do? Because oh, <laughs> a lot of healers have these dreams and ideals of what they're going to do, but you know, um, having those downloads or that connection about how to put it into action, which is what you're doing in an amazing way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not an overnight process. Um, so I usually start the story saying, I grew up in a hippie household. Like Did my you? Mom was a hippie. Um, and she was a single mum and it was just me. So I think I had a lot of, I guess, space to grow into that. I was surrounded by women who were all sort of alternative or starting their own, um, you know, new phase of life in that sort of mid mid phase where they were starting to realize that life hadn't given them everything they wanted from what they signed up for and they were going out looking for more so it's kind of around women like that already and it just meant that that's the like that's the foundation of which I grew out of mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know and I think I just am naturally a 
rebellious kind of person that just wants to get into life and just get it done and not follow the rules. So all that together, I think, just kind of put me on paths to get where I have got to and, um, you know, just not being able to work for other people because I am, you know, that, that's too a big independent. One. <laughs> so I've just worked out things as I went along and read lots and just tried ideas and, you know, worked with different groups of people and, yeah, I don't know. It just all kind of came together. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. <laughs> it's number one, I guess, you know, we live in such a now world and it's also about patience and that sort of probably segues me into how do you live in flow because that's what you needed, that patience for it to come at divine timing. So how do you live? How does one live in flow? Okay. Uh, I don't know if I've got patience, but <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes we don't have a choice, really, do we? <laughs> that's, that's more like it, yeah, for sure. Um, but the flow, when I talk about the flow, it's it's a rhythm of like so. I talk about the rhythm of life, which is a map of nature and the universe, and we can see that rhythm in the seasons. We can see it in uh, the way the sun moves through the sky during a day or throughout a year. Uh, it, we can see it in the lunar cycles over the course of a month. And it's the same rhythm within each of those cycles. They just have different lengths of time. And when we kind of, when we acknowledge that and then we start to track our own life and journey and choices through that same cyclical uh, framework, then, then we're in flow, yeah? But if we work outside of that rhythm, then we're out of flow and then that's when life becomes really difficult and crunchy and, you know, things don't go the way that we are trying to make them go. So is it also about mapping, like if you're, if you're looking back saying someone comes to you, but is it mapping your life up to now and what the, you know, the pivotal points in your life That's, and related yeah, I mean, yeah. or is it more yes now? And. <laughs> it's yes and, yeah. Okay. It's really, I talk about a lot of future planning work. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we've got this previous experience, uh, which makes us who we are, yeah? Like it, it's all the threads that bring us to now and then we get to choose how we move forward from that. So so the past is important in the sense that it, it got us here, but now what do we do with it? Yeah, do we want to keep using the patterns that we did before or do we want to just like push forward and make something new? So I like people to be always planning, yeah, like planning forward, looking at the way that they can intentionalise the things that they want and then activate them and, and start moving with those. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So, And would you base that? I know you dive deeper into just the seasons, but would you base the planning on the seasons as well the lunar cycles astrology this feels like a perfect segue i actually have a diary oh yay okay um yeah so i've created a diary that does that it takes you through the mostly the lunar cycle but it also keeps that broader perspective of the seasons in there as well can can you just hold that up again sorry can you hold that up again (laughs) so oh beautiful um, so yeah, it's like a workbook of exactly that that you just asked. And um, so, is it based on astrology as well? Yeah, there's a well, there's a little bit of astrology in there, but I kind of say that's the advanced version. We want to start with just getting the the general cycle, like that general flow of the you know the way that the moon goes from being dark to to growing and getting big and then going small again. Yeah. That's the stuff we want to start with, and then once we get that we get our life around that, then we can start looking at the astrological significance as well. It sort of adds another layer, but it's, you don't want to start there. You want to start just in the cycle itself, in the rhythm. 
I mean, it sounds like a fabulous planner and I guess it's also like a time management tool in a way as well. 100%. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I say it's a diary in disguise. Like it's actually a transformational program, but it's disguised as a diary. So I'm just giving an example me because I'm here. (laughs) If I come and see you, how, how do you work? How do you work? As a practitioner, I don't know if you use that word, practitioner, but yeah, how, what, therapist. what happens if I come and see you? What do yeah, well, I mean, everyone starts somewhere different because yes. generally people have a reason why they're there. So we might have to look at that first, but we seem to always get ourselves back to looking at what is your, what are your big wild dreams in the world? Who do you want to be? You know, what does your future look like? And then starting to, to pull that apart and piece it together so that somebody has a clear idea of their vision. Uh, the understanding of how they're going to get there, like what are the important, um, what are the important bricks in their day that get them to to that vision that they want, and then yeah, how do you how do you plan that out? And you know, because a vision is a really broad sense of who I want to be in the world, but how does that show up? Like how what are what are the concrete parts of that? That for one person, that's I want a career in medicine, and for someone else, that's um, I want to have babies. You know, like it's always yeah. different. So it's about just helping people find who who they want to be and what they want to do and then helping them align to that with the assistance of the rhythm. That's beautiful. So, I mean, in very sim- simple terms, it's sort of similar to life coaching in a way. I don't even want to yeah, say that it's word. I mean, it's a very coaching. generalised. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, you know, a lot of times, it depends what's obviously you have a, a, a more spiritual foundation to your coaching methodology, but I don't know if you work on this aspect as well. Say someone comes to you and say, says, I really, really want to do this. But at the same time, it's not, that's an exterior perception of what they want to do. It's not really what their soul wants to do. Mm-hmm. How do you sort of define the two, which is, will make them unlimited and unbound? Yeah. Uh, that's so, so the, my business is called the Institute for Self-Crafting. Mm-hmm. And I define the self as the, the gooey center inside of us that doesn't have the masks and the, the layers on the outside. And so it's not to say that we shouldn't have those layers and masks because they're totally usable and useful in everyday life. But when we're dealing with the self, that's, it's a little, it's, it's spaced a bit further away from those masks. So I want to help somebody find out who that is on the inside and then reflect as to whether those hopes and dreams are act, actually belong to say her on the inside or do they are they more belonging to the masks and the you know the stories and the family of origin and the mm. you know all of that sort of older stuff so that's and, where the future comes yeah. in too because if we're if we're if we're based all that on the past a lot of that might not be ours yeah we might have taken it with us from other people or other situations but when we're looking in the present and then the future we're able for it's it's able to be ours just ours Does that makes sense Absolutely. And I'm just thinking, you know, it, it, it must be quite a confronting experience. I mean, wonderful, but confronting for people thinking that, you know, they've always wanted this dream, but when they're working with you, that potentially it's not what they really wanted. And the life that they'd always imagined is potentially not their soul calling or the gooey part of whatever you want to, <laughs> the terminology, whatever you want to use, it must be a really deep, interesting experience. Yeah, but I, th- I think, like, I don't want to make it sound like it just happens in an instant, you know? No, that was my other question. What happens? Do people come and see you in person or do you speak over the phone? And, is it, and is it 
a like a three month program, a six month program? I do have programs, but I find I, I actually prefer just to work with people for as long as they need to. So okay. some people need the program idea. Like, you know, I, I just want to commit myself to three months and that's what I'm going to do. And we work as far as we can within that. But I, I much prefer just to be like meet the person where they are and then go with them on that journey. So I have lots of long-term clients. I have yeah. people that just might come in like once a month and then won't see them, you know, and then they come back to kind of check in. So it just depends, you know, where everyone's individual. Yeah. And um, being a sort of coach, I guess, do you also provide some sort of tangible way that they can um, input that dream into their life and potentially earn an income from it. How do you mean? So um, just say someone has a dream to be, someone loves knitting, for example. <laughs> I don't know. It's the first thing that came to my mind. Do you provide some practical, so you, you know, you work with them. Do you provide potentially everyone's different, some practical applications of how to, you know, utilize that in the modern day world and feed their family and what yeah. sort of, I think that's what differentiates like, so I've got counseling training, mm -hmm. but I think what differentiates a counselor and a coach is that the a counselor just reflects back to people about where they're at and what they want to do with their life. Right. And then a coach steps in and gives those tools. So yes, the answer is yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, so you're a coach more of a, on the leaning towards the coach as yeah, well. I say therapist and coach. That's okay. Therapist and coach. Yeah. Because I do also do like movement coaching, right? Which always, eventually come, brings us back to the same thing that we're talking about now. Like it's whatever, however I work with people, I find that we always still come back to trying to find their self in there and letting that be the expression for them. Yes, it, it is hard, you know, it just get, you dig, get digging deep and really connecting with what you actually want, who you actually are. It's quite a confronting process. Yeah. Yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> no. And it's the commitment, right? It's it's like when it took me a long time, you know, when you asked, like, how did I get here? A lot of the time of kind of getting to this point was around, like, waiting for people to want to do it. Like, you know, working with people and then realising, oh, maybe they're not quite ready to change yet. Um, and then, like, learning how to accept that, that people are where, where they need to be and it's, it's not up to me to say when they should change and how fast. Yeah, that's hard because you can see all this incredibleness in them, but, you know, they have to be ready. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But so at the same time, it must be so rewarding, you know, seeing the results of clients. So exciting when people can say that they did it themselves. When they go from saying, Holly, help me do this. I like going to Holly because it helps me stay on track to when they flip and then it's like, oh, yeah, I see that I'm doing this for myself. It's so exciting. Oh, that's great. And so you mentioned the movement um, training as well. What's that? Or the so rhythm? I, I think you call it the rhythm. Yeah, well, um, Motion is the name of our Ninja Academy. Um, oh, so I love that name, Ninja Academy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of just, so I have a, a long history of martial arts as a young person and just different movement practices. But um, over the last few years, I sort of got tricked into teaching some martial arts and self-defense in the little town that I live in, in Braidwood. Mm -hmm. And then that's just kind of snowballed from one thing to another where, you know, first the kids wanted a class, then they wanted a, a class all term, then they wanted belts, then they wanted gradings, then they wanted curriculum. So it's, it's become its own academy. 
And then I teach adult classes as well, but they're not so much the martial arts part, they're more just the um, finding yourself within your own movement. So we don't focus on you know, punching and kicking as much as we do with the kids, but certainly like, uh, you know, just getting into their body and learning how that moves and how it works and how it hasn't moved for so long as adults and things like that. And I find that that brings out an expression of themselves. It's something that they might otherwise not be bringing into the world right now. Yeah. It's a great way to express when one can't express verbally, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That too. That's definitely a part in one-on-one practice. Yeah. And I noticed that trampoline, we, we talked about that before, the trampoline <laughs> in the background. <laughs> How do you use that? Well, I mean, that's mostly used in my clinic with children when they come in just to kind of get them switched on. And I do some brain gym style stuff where they're, you know, rubbing parts of their body and switching on, like just getting all their meridians actioned and, and ready to go so that they're in their own body flow. Um, so the trampoline often helps with that. And then also I like to get adults on there and just get them moving, particularly people who, like how many adults have jumped on a trampoline in the last 10 years of their life, you know, just trying yes. to get them on and just kind of, it's like loosening the body. Yeah. But it's, it's not as intense as saying, okay, we're going to do interpretive dance for 10 minutes. You know, <laughs> we can just get on the trampoline for 30 seconds. Um, no, no, no. That's great. What you can't, I, what you probably I really want one now. Ah, Next, I don't know if you can see in the video, there's like an upright pole and that's actually a set of indoor monkey bars that we have in here too that we use. Pole dancing? No, no, more monkey bar swinging. (laughs) You you haven't got to the pole dancing part yet. Not quite. (laughs) Maybe that's next. (laughs) Anything's an option, right? It's unlimited. So, I mean, I really love it. You're, You're almost encouraging people to be the best version of themselves. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> which, which is such a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, that's the, um, so, you know, I've got this self-crafted wellness program and that's the, un, like, that's the subtitle basically, just be the better version of yourself. Um, yeah, that's great. And you also talk about um, ancestral health. What does that involve? Well, again, one of those terms that probably people would define differently For me, it's looking at how we've evolved as humans, what, um, you know, what our bodies have been, have have fallen into the design of over hundreds of thousands of years. This is that part. But then the other part of ancestral health is actually going up our lineage and understanding, you know, who we've been before, who who our relatives were, what are the things that we're carrying from them. And so that is a whole epigenetic conversation about how does my... The, the, how does the lineage of my past affect who I am now in the, in the world? And then mm-hmm. once I know that, what do I need to do to either clear it up or, you know, get a better flow for myself? I think, have you been interviewed someone about ancestral medicine, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. So like some of that stuff in there as well. Um, but then also the biological side, yeah, like the evolutionary biology of who have humans been for 300,000 years? Because if we work with that, that really helps us get a grip of, the bodies that we're in now. Yeah. Great. So <laughs> I want to ask a question and it's maybe personal. What's like, when you say you grew up as a hippie, what does it, what, what's that mean? <laughs> what's life as a growing up as a hippie like? Okay. So when I was really young, I was the normal, you know, three it was top. normal for you. 
Not yet. Well, no, but it was the normal 80s childhood of any Australian family, you know, stereotypical, um, you know, eating, just, just living the commercial life. But my parents split when I was sort of at the end of primary school and then mum sort of found her alternative world. And so when I say like living in a hippie house, we would have Reiki workshops in our house every second weekend. People would come from all around the region because it's a really small kind of country area. People would come, there'd be like all these weirdos in our house, singing <laughs> bowls and crystals and, you know, all of that stuff. And at the time I thought it was just so ridiculous and I just didn't want anything to do with it. I'd sit up in the back of the room and they'd all be like chanting and doing whatever and I'd just be eating Milo going, what a load of shit. Oh, that's, that, um, that sounds like my forward, children. <laughs> you know, five years and that was me. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And your father wasn't anything. <laughs> your father. Sorry. Your your father was just, wasn't a, in a hippie house. A house. No, no, it was just me and my mum by then. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, obviously, it made you the incredible person that you are today. It's it's. I'm really grateful for that. Those experiences. Yeah. And the and the people like I still keep in contact with some of those women that were the mentors at the time, and that I would still call them friends now. And you know, they're all older and. No, all their kids are growing up as well and we still have those connections. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to laugh. My, my teenagers now think I'm a complete weirdo as well. <laughs> we, right. I don't I have do. chatting. I don't know. I, I had to do this thing the other day. I was doing a training and I was in the kitchen and I had to yell out, I surrender. <laughs> my 17-year-old son said, are you frigging serious, mum? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> There are things that I anyway. listen to on my, if I'm in the car and I'm listening to a podcast and my 16 year old son will say, this is quite possibly the weirdest thing in the world. I can't believe people listen to this. Like, <laughs> how is this weird? Like you've grown up around this your whole life. So there's still things they find weird, even no matter how we do them or what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I think they're going to look back and, you know, say thank you for experiencing yep. that. Definitely. So that's great. So what else? Is there anything else you'd like to talk about to our audience? Well, I guess something that is really current for me at the moment is the concept of sacred productivity and that's to do with my planner. So at the moment I'm right in the, the middle of a 40-day challenge with the planner. I've got about 30 people that are all enrolled doing a daily uh, commitment work around the different aspects of the planner. And I just, I started... The sacred productivity part of it, I think, is something that is not talked about enough in this, you know, alternative, spiritual, empowerment, whatever, whatever name you want to give this kind of, you know, section of culture. Because it's we sort of went one way and said, we've got to slow down, busy is bad, hands off everything, let nature take its course, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, and I think that although that's useful, that's only half of it. It's like we have breaths in and we have breaths out and the breaths out are the go and the breaths in are more the flow. It's like this, um, you know, people say masculine, feminine, I would say go and flow and we have to have both of them at all times. So sacred productivity allows us to realise that it's okay to go and, and do and, you know, be busy as long as we are also working on having the same amount of balance of the, the inner and the flow stuff too. Does that make sense? I love that. And I just wanted to say, and I'm so sorry to interrupt, but when we are busy doing something that we love. Yeah. It's not Potentially. Busy. I do even better if we can do that. 
because it doesn't feel like busy then, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a and, it's a different state. And we can still get caught up in that and wear ourselves out. So uh, it's not to say that we should just go, 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 but the go is actually a flow, right? Like when we see the research on flow, we know that when you get into the process of doing something that you're excited about and you're totally engaged with, that becomes flow. That becomes something that is just so easy and natural. But we also know from the research that when we go to, when we, when we're in flow, in that space of flow, it does drain our brain. Yeah. Like the, the neurochemicals in our brain start to wear out and so we have to replenish those. So it's what I'm trying to say is sacred productivity is the way of thinking I can go and then I can honor where I've been by uh, recovering, healing, resting so that I can go again. And that's, that's that constant, that's the rhythm. That's just the rhythm in a, in a different way of defining it really. I wrote that down. The go is the flow and it rhymes as well. <laughs> that's so easy to remember the glow, the Go is the flow. <laughs> and that's what you try and incorporate with your clients in your, the book that you were talking about that you created. Yeah. I mean, I just find that so many people that I uh, sit with have, you know, if you're a people pleaser, you're just going all the time. If you're passionate about your work, you're going all the time. And there's a real, a lot of people will have guilt around going. Uh, and, and I think that's where that, what I was mentioning before about the busy is bad, that's where that comes from, right? Because we all realise that being too busy is an issue and so we've got to, you know, honour ourselves a bit within that. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the work. But then the other part is saying, well, if you were going, what could you be doing that was actually beneficial for you and the world? Like, could you be going in a way that's contributing to the world rather than just doing it because you feel like you have to or because there's guilt attached or because that's what your mother did, or, you know? you know, deciding that it's your unbounded, unlimited life that you're going for, not all that past stuff that is not actually relevant to you anymore. Yeah, so it keeps coming back to the mindfulness of self, I guess, all your work, which is lovely. Self-crafting. Self-crafting. Perfect, perfect. (laughs) I always like to ask my guests on the show if someone, you've kind of touched on this, but if someone is wanting to live their passion or a passionate life, what is your advice? Mm, throw out the bullshit (laughs) just (laughs) stop doing the things that aren't yours and find that gooey in inside that's behind the mask and and work with her or him or whoever whatever that's a great answer but what if they say and what if they say i don't know i don't know what to do well then you need to come and see me no yay (laughs) (laughs) um you know if you yeah because probably you don't know because if you knew you wouldn't be asking the question in the first place yeah yeah so it, it does take, like we said before, it takes time and commitment and it's a choice to change and that's scary for most people. Some people are really excited about change. I am, I think probably you are, Louisa, but a lot of people it's a little frightening. So um, it's a, deciding that you're going to change is the first step and then working out how to do that. Yeah, and uh, lovely. And then change is an interesting one because when it comes on sudden unexpectedly it can be quite frightening if you if if you can be prepared for it and it's a slow a progress mm-hmm. it's a lot more palatable yeah and that's where working with this rhythm idea is really useful because if we if we live our life within a realization that things go they get big and then they get small they get intense and they get calm you know it's it's like 
the awareness that no matter what happens, I'm going to get back to that other place, whether it's too quiet or too big. I know the other one is coming because it's a cycle. Yeah, this is not a linear life. There's a cycle after a cycle after a cycle. So once we kind of get our, uh, once we embody that, then that becomes sort of, you know, the, e the easier way of living life. So and to remember, yes, it's got, you know, and I, when you were saying that, it, you know, it's the analogy can be like the moon, you know, the full moon and then there's exactly. no moon. It's, you know, the ebb and flow of life. Yeah. And we're, we're part of that. So that was really well expressed. Mm. Holly B, thank you for being on Passion Harvest. You're welcome. Thanks <laughs> for having me. I've loved it. The go is a flow. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.